Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Baz and Izzy for breakfast, 14th of October. It's been a very fun show today, covering a lot of topics as always, from volleyball to 38-year-old professional rugby players to Paul Wilcox at Auckland Racing Club and plenty more Izzy, including Mitch Drummond, who gave our listeners a little offer, didn't he? He said, mate, $5 pints for anyone that goes into the bush and and Rickett and Topper, Rickett and here in Christchurch, $5 $5 pints if you go in and say you listen to, you listen to him on the Baz and Izzy for breakfast. How good is that? And then another, on the other end, on the other end, you got a 38-year-old, Jimmy Gopeth. Jimmy Gopeth. Jimmy G and his kicking tee wants to go home and play for the Naki. There you go. Listen to that <laughs> conversation. It was a great interview with Jimmy Gopeth. Listen to it on the Baz and Izzy podcast. We're also... Baz McCullum and the Calcutta Knight Riders, the Mighty Nighties. We've got to call them now. They're off to the big dance. How good. We also had Shauna Polly talking all things Kiwi volleyball. And, well, she might have thrown Alice Zeman right under the bus <laughs> in that chat. So make sure you go look at the podcast and you'll hear all things MIQ. Oh, poor girl. But anyway, we just had Paul Wilcox. She spoke about it. CEO of the ATR Auckland Thoroughbred Racing. He was a great get. Spoke about the $2 million injection into the stakes for all the races coming up this summer. Summer racing in Auckland. We hope, we hope you're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. Right now, we're going to cross over to the Europe, to UK, to London. Yesterday, we caught up with Steve Alka, who, after turning 50, has been carving up the Champions Tour of golf. Today, well, he's not quite that long in the tooth, but... At 38, Jimmy Gopeth is still plying his trade and winning games with his nouse and boot in the English Premiership for the London Wasp. The new season has started up there, and year in, year out, our former Hurricane and Blues lad turns up and gets his job done, plus some. Jimmy has been good enough to take some time to join the show. Morning, Jimmy. How are you, brother? Morning, Izzy, mate. How's things? <laughs> Oh, mate, I'm going good. You're still soldiering on, mate. How, how do you do it? Mate, I don't know. I just don't want to go to a nine-to-five yet. <laughs> <laughs> mate, 38 years just of age. I was telling the story mate. on air. When I, just chipping away. You're obviously taking uh, good care of your body, mate. What is the secret? Like, let's be honest. What is the secret? How do you, are you still loving it and still enjoying it? Yeah, mate, I still love, uh, I'm still just so competitive. Um, just love turning yeah. up and, and giving it a shot. But uh, I think all that stuff outside, I'm just playing shitloads of golf and uh, playing, uh, going surfing <laughs> and stuff. So that sort of keeps my mind fresh and and uh, ready to, to rock on Saturdays. Mate, I was just, I'll tell you a story. Last time I seen you, I was on the North Shore and I went over to Takapuna and we were playing golf with Simon Porter. How was the golf game, mate? <laughs> yeah, mate, I was a little bloody hacker back then. Uh, yeah, mate, going all right. Getting the old handicap down, but uh, and we've got a few guys that love love it over here. So, 
uh, we all get out and there's so many courses over here, mate. The people over in in Europe just love their golf. Yeah, nice. And tell us, um, you know, you're 38 years of age. You're not just, you know, holding tackle bags. You're actually making a difference for the London Wasps. Tell us about the competition over in the English Premiership. What, what about it? Are you loving it? And tell us a bit more about the competition. Yeah, mate, the competition's it's really like it's obviously I've been over here for a long time now and it's, it's mm. developed into such a, a strength. Um, you know, it's a grind, mate. It's week in, week out. It's like, um, it's I don't know, you know, back in the day when you have a final with uh, Wellington and, and you know, probably always losing against Canterbury, but uh, those <laughs> final matches, it's like that. It's like that every single week. Um, the, the competitiveness from all the outfits is just, it's relentless. Um, so you have to be on your game week in, week out. And it's, you know, we looked at our schedule this year. If we uh, play in everything, uh, that's like we make finals, quarterfinals. It's 38 weeks in a row with one week off. Wow. So get that head nah. get that around your head, mate. It's a, it's a slog. Um, so... It's totally different than just playing NPC, having a little break, playing Super Rugby. It's just totally different. So what are the sort of things you've had to do for your body, mate? Like that is outrageous amounts of rugby. And it's a more forward orientated. And it's pretty physical over there as well, the rugby that you play. So what are you doing to, to look after your body and, and have such a long career in the game? Yeah, obviously... Uh, that's the key, isn't it? It's um, it's looking after your body, and it's pretty hard over here because a lot of the English lads like a few pints um, <laughs> after games and stuff, so you've got to indulge. But um, no, yeah. I, I, I look after myself. I, uh, I was lucky enough, Brad Shields, when he came over, he had a, he brought himself a nice sparkle and put it in his garden because of uh, the cold weather. But uh, he moved house and they couldn't have it. So he got, I got that off him for mates' rate. So I spent most of my time oh. there, to be honest. Nice, mate. Nice. So how's old Brad Shields? And I know you're playing with Malakai Fikitoa too, but he's just been injured. How are the Kiwi uh, contingency boys? How are they over there? Yeah, really good, mate. Um, you know, the boys have adapted really well to the way we play the game over here and um, just their input um, amongst uh, the sort of uh, guys from... You know, England and that, to, you know, just to, I suppose, give them experiences of, of different ways of playing the game and different thoughts of the game has um, obviously helped develop them. And, um, you know, Brad's our captain at the moment, um, with Joe mm-hmm. Launchbury being out injured, and he's leading the troops, mate, doing really, really well. Um, so now we've got a few Kiwis over here, which uh, keeps the accent staying uh, hopefully strong enough with the, uh, with the Kiwi twang. <laughs> And what about the style, mate? You, like with Oli, a little bit of a Kiwi influence over there, the style of rugby in England. Can you tell us about the style that they're playing and are you learning bits of how, how they getting a bit more of an understanding of how the English playing it, but you're adding a little bit of the English flair into it? I mean, the Kiwi flair, I should say. Yeah, for sure. Look, it's changed dramatically over the last sort of five, six years. Um, it's, you know, a lot of teams are playing with a lot of uh, ball and play. Uh, obviously, set piece is number one, and that's always been uh, the English way. Uh, set piece, you've got to have a good set piece. Yeah, you know, these driving malls when you when you get ten out, which most teams do anyway these days. A lot more scrummaging yeah. for penalties and stuff like that. Um, defenses, mate. Defenses are 
uh, are really aggressive and, and really physical. Mm. It does take a lot longer to break teams down because um, a lot of teams are really good around the breakdown, really sticky in the tackle. Um, and there is, uh, there's not like, you wouldn't think they, they don't kick the ball uh, as, you know, pretty much the same as what you see in the test match with the ABs and stuff. Now it's, it's all about the transition, and that's where they've developed really, really well um, over the last few years. And you know, that's the sort of style that we we all like. And being Kiwi, and and these guys now over here are really developing that. Um, so it's a good competition, mate. It's really solid rugby, um, fast rugby now, and getting uh, enjoyable. And do you, do you see the English side? I know they've been through their little bit of struggles lately, but do you see their side playing in a exciting brand. I saw your comments talking about the British and Irish Lions and they try to go play South Africa and play them at their own game, which they didn't, you know, didn't work out for them in the end. Do you see England uh, playing an exciting brand of rugby when they get into the international season? Marcus Smith potentially talks about him playing 10. Yeah, look, I hope so because, you know, they've got some great uh, individuals here and if they pick the right squ- uh, mm. squad and um, Eddie Jones just brought in, well, our, um, Attack coach from last year, Martin Gleeson, who's a, a rugby league uh, like superstar over here. Um, he's obviously retired. He came to do our attack the last couple of years, and he's brilliant, mate. And if he if Eddie gives him the reins to to do what he wants with the attack, then I think England will will change pretty dramatically uh, the way they're going to play the game, and will be pretty uh, will be pretty hard to play against um, with obviously the dominance and set piece. Uh, and if the boys yeah. start throwing it around a bit, um, they could be uh, they could be deadly. Mate, you would have been following the the rugby championship and uh, seeing Australia playing some it's pretty exciting footy over the last couple of ge- uh, games as well. But the All Blacks, the All Blacks will go on tour this year. They got Wales, Ireland, and France on their radar. Do you, how do you how do you see those games panning out? And do you think uh, the way the Irish and the French particularly play, the All Blacks have got the skills and the games to to go do well over on on the on the European tour. Yeah, mate. Look, I, I yeah, I watched the, the championship. It was, it was awesome actually to see Australia um, starting to play play really well. Obviously, after Renz has got them going hard, and but uh, you know New Zealand's just different level, mate. It's, everyone just is in awe of them over here. Uh, all the players and the, pretty much the coaching staff. They, it's just the skill level from one to eight is just mm. so much different to to over here, and I said that's the difference. They understand the game. Um, I think when you're brought up in a, in a country that just adores rugby, everyone understands why you're doing things. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's just the, the biggest uh, advantage New Zealand uh, rugby players have got. And You know, they're just they're deadly, mate. They're so deadly. So it's, yeah. um, it's going to be interesting to see how their Northern Tour goes because obviously a lot of the teams over here are just sort of starting the competition. Um, so you know we sort of their first internationals and different teams are coming together. So uh, it'll be interesting to see and keep a good eye, eye on it. Yeah, nice, mate. And let, let's go back to yourself, mate. Yourself, you're 38 years of age, but you're still playing like you're 21. You know, what what does the future hold for you? And I know I read about an, an article like you know rugby is rugby, but you're you're like a, you've created a bit of bit more of a mentor role off the field for the younger generation. What are those uh, little insights that you're sharing to them and what's Jimmy Gopeth going to do post footy? Yeah, I think, like, you know, someone told me years ago that, you know, you, 
you get all this information and you, all these experiences through rugby, and you know you can't just keep them yourself. You gotta you gotta sort of express them and, and pass them down to other people, and and that's what our game is. So, you know, I'm doing loads loads of coaching at the moment. I coach a, a local club team here. I have done for the last five years. So, really enjoying just passing down my own sort of experiences and, nice. and helping them develop. And also started my sort of. Uh, Kicking, uh, kicking sort of academy, Jimmy G's kicking academy, mate. So I help a lot of the young yeah. kicking, and because um, obviously it's a big part of my game and something I've always done. So um, yeah, done that for uh, quite a few years now over here, and do do it with a lot of players. So I'm doing a lot, lot with sort of that kind of stuff. I've got some exciting thing coming out soon. Um, ooh, ooh. Remember the old kicking Tebow? Yeah, yeah. So I was going to ask you, you got a little Jimmy Jimmy G t- kicking tee, eh? You're going to take on DC and the boys, are you? Yeah, mate. It's coming out. So <laughs> uh, lo- long story short, mate. Um, so George Simpkin, um, obviously the creator of the Simpkin tee and, and loads of other stuff, mate. He was a absolute legend of the game. Um, created so much and got all the rugby going in Asia and stuff. He he just rang me one random day, mate, and just said, uh, "Look, you're the only one still using my tea. It's had all these legends have used it, um, and unfortunately, it was just before he passed away. And he just said, the, the last thing I want you to do is uh, recreate or just bring bring the Simpkin tea back to life under your name. Um, I want you to do that, and wow. gave me the rights to it. And so I've been." busy away. It's been hard with COVID and stuff, which unfortunately he didn't get to see the Jimmy GT back in action before uh, he, mm. he unfortunately passed away. So um, uh, I've got a bunch of them on the on the water um, going to be arriving in the UK soon. So watch the space, mate. The Simpkin T, now the Jimmy GT is coming back to life. Oh, I love it. I love it. We'll have, mate, once I get out of this car, I might have to send me one, mate. I'll get the boots out and lug my big bum around and try and get one through the post, eh? Mate, we'll send you a bunch, mate. We'll get you in there. Hey, mate, look, you're obviously going to stay in the game and you love you know, love giving back to the younger generation. I love that. Will we ever see you back in NZ, mate? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Like, uh, I'd love my kids and that to uh, experience life in New Zealand and the upbringing. So, yeah, I'm just seeing what happens. Obviously, my body feels really good at the moment. So just trying to keep playing um, at the moment and just see what opportunities come, if that's playing for a few more years or coming home and maybe putting the boots on in New Zealand or, or jumping into different mm-hmm. things. Um, you know, the, the sort of um, um, options are there and um, just, yeah, loving sort of still being involved in this beautiful game we play, mate. Awesome, mate. I can pitch you. I don't know if you know, bro, but the Hawks Bay Magpies are leading the Premiership in New Zealand. The Hawks, uh, the NPC side. Do you, you know that? Yeah, well, I heard in the Naki going pretty good too, mate. <laughs> yeah, but they're in second div. They're in second div, and there's been <laughs> yeah. a lot of chat about that they too. There's no, promoted, there's no promotion. There's no promotion, yeah, but how do you that. feel about that? Yeah, that's not good. I think they're, uh, not, they're not too happy back at home. Uh, Again, having a bloody good season, and there's no promotion. So, no, mate, it'd be it'd be awesome if I could come home and maybe finish off and play for the Naki. That would be that would be pretty awesome because I never really got to play for the Naki because I went obviously went to Wellington yeah. straight out of school. Yeah, um, yeah, and obviously Naki boy at heart. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens, mate.
I don't know if you'll be able to handle milking those cows anymore, mate. You want to get your, your your new Gucci shoes dirty, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, we'd love to have <laughs> you home, bro. We'd love to have you home. Um, thanks for chatting us. Jimmy Gopeth out of the UK, still playing at 38 years of age. Been playing really well, mate. Love your work, brother. Thanks for joining us. Cheers, mate. No worries. Well, it might not look like it, but summer's on the horizon, which means it's about time to head to the beach Someone who has spent a lot of time on the sand this year is Shauna Polly. Shauna represented New Zealand at the 2018 Commonwealth Games and has spent the past few months competing across Europe to qualify for the Games next year in Birmingham after facing numerous lockdowns, COVID tests, which she had to pay for herself, and close calls. She has returned to the country to another glorious lockdown in the Waikato. Morning, Shauna. Welcome home. Morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. How's it going, mate? You're back in NZ after a vigorous tour around Europe and you've gone back straight into a lockdown, mate. How you doing? <laughs> I know. I'm so gutted. Uh, I was hoping for a little bit of lockdown when I got back just to have a few days to chill in New Zealand, but was not expecting yeah. to go back into, you know, a few weeks of it and potentially more. So a bit of a bummer, but still stoked to be back in New Zealand. Are you, are you still able to train and, and get some, you know, um, volleyball under your belt with, with being in lockdown? Are you still able to do the things you probably weren't, uh, were able to do overseas? Yeah, I'm super lucky. Uh, actually, just before last lockdown, I convinced my flat to buy um, some gym equipment. So we set up a full gym <laughs> in our garage. Uh, and then I also live with um, my partner, who's a volleyball player, and uh, one of my other flatmates. He's a volleyball player too, so we can go down to the Tarata Beach Courts and train uh, when oh. we want during lockdown, um, which is really, really helpful, um, so that's good. So you don't need a sandpit? You, uh, you didn't need to install a backyard uh, volleyball uh, court with a bunch of sand? That was my question. No, but now that you mention it, we do have a um, volleyball net that we can set up in our backyard. Luckily, we've got a big backyard too, so we've done that a few times in lockdown. Um, but it's been a bit too cold to bust it out just yet. Hey, you've been on a bit of an amazing race around the world to get to even to this point, Shorter. It's How would you sum up your last 12 months and what you have had to do and, and where you've been and what you've seen? Yeah, I mean, it's been uh, a crazy ride, like you said. Um, I would sum it up by saying it's been very stressful, uh, but really, mm. really rewarding. Um, I met well, I, I had to choose a new partner and uh, going into the summer season and I chose Alice, who I ended up going overseas with. Um, and we had really known each other really to begin with, but we decided to take the leap of faith and try and qualify um, for the Olympic Games by first starting uh, by going to the Continental Cup in Thailand. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't make that, but then we decided to head to Europe and continue uh, trying to qualify for the Com Games, so just an absolute hectic journey, but uh, it was really rewarding, and uh, we managed to meet the criteria. Um, it doesn't mean we're going to be selected as per se yet, but period still open. But uh, yeah, it was just an awesome experience. Just crazy with COVID. Yeah, you spoke about it, and Alice is still stuck overseas. Am I right? Uh, she was when I left New Zealand, uh, when I left Europe, sorry, um, with no MIQ spot. But luckily we had 
another volleyball player who she slaps with, and we'll just keep this on the down low, but <laughs> she pretended to be uh, in a relationship with her so that she could get back on her MIQ spot. So they're back <laughs> in the country now, all good. We'll do our best to keep <laughs> this on the down low. Yeah, although <laughs> although oh. we are around New Zealand broadcasting right now. So <laughs> no, no, no. We'll dump that. We'll that. Anyway, hey, uh, let's talk about that. Alice. Nah, it's not that bad, mate. I know friends have done the same thing. Don't worry about it. Hey, let's talk about Alice. Let's talk about Alice. Um, when, you, when you're going to find a new partner and you're with Kelsey Willis for, for a long time, what do you look for? What do you look for when you, when you find that partner and, uh, you know, were you able to, to get that relationship flowing straight away? Uh, we actually were, which is really, really good. I, I trained with her a few times over the summer. Um, and knew that I had a bit of a connection with her, you know, um, straight away. Uh, she's, like, yeah. super fiery, which I love. Um, I'm quite, like, quiet and reserved in my day-to-day life, but when I'm on the court, I'm also very fiery, so we, we match really well um, in terms of giving each other energy. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, travelling together with someone that you don't know is always going to be really tough. Um, but we did a really good job of communicating with each other and, you know, letting each other know when enough was enough of having that person, you know, in our personal space. Um, and we just made it work really well. We had, you know, highs and lows like everyone's going to have when you're traveling three months with just one mm. other person. Um, but we did such a good job of it. And I think that also translated to our on-the-court success, you know. Yeah, for sure. What was one story or one instance from your travels that you just kind of can't, you look back on, you can't really believe it? Because you, you managed to cover a lot of ground in a lot of different continents, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I think the Rwanda trip was um, always, is always going to be a highlight for me. Uh, we, because we were a new partnership, we had zero points going into the world tour stage. Um, I had lost all my points um, because of COVID and um, not playing in the previous season. So there was this tournament in Rwanda where it was a two-star event out of five stars, which meant that it had quite a lot more points available and prize money compared to some of the other events we were hoping to play. And so we were like, you know what, let's just take this crazy risk in the middle of the pandemic and go to Rwanda in Africa <laughs> and see how we go. Sure. And so, and Have you so seen we, Hotel Rwanda, the movie? We did a bit movie? of research, you know. Pardon? <laughs> Have you seen Hotel Rwanda, the movie? Yes, and actually, we where the venue where we played was next to this massive lake. You know, it looked like the ocean. It was just so big, and we always wanted to go swimming in it afterwards. Um, but the local people were like, "No, you can't swim in there because that's where they dumped all the bodies." Oh, um, wow. so that was, yeah, that was pretty nice. Um, but Rwanda, oh, wow. while we were there. Uh, the tournament was meant to be like operated as a bubble. Um, that's what we were told anyway. But we got there and, you know, the hotels were fully open. We were interacting with people. And this was right at the start of our trip. So we were still very uh, anxious and like following mm. super strict COVID protocol, you know. Um, and so that was a bit of a crazy start to events, like just mixing with people because we'd just come from Thailand, which has been full government lockdown. Um, yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, the cases in Rwanda were just going crazy. And so they announced that the whole country was going into full lockdown. 
And so here we are in Rwanda thinking that we were going to be stuck in Rwanda for longer than the seven days we were meant to be there because the country was going into lockdown. Um, so we're, all the players are freaking out and trying to see what we could do. And then we realised that the lockdown was just for the residents. If you're a tourist, oh. you're free to do what you wanted still. Um, so wow. that was just an interesting you know, experience um, being there during oh. a full lockdown as well. Volleyball in Rwanda. That is an, an experience and a half. They should, they should make it. a I new movie. Yeah. Volleyball is in uh, Rwanda. They were actually awesome. Yeah, they love it there. So we had some good crowds and um, some really awesome organizers. Awesome. So it was, it was a fantastic event. Awesome. All right. And you're home now. So what next? What next for you? Yeah. So uh, we're still obviously hoping to qualify for the Com Games. So we're going to be building up over the summer. Alice is back now. I'm waiting for her to get out of MIQ. Uh, we're super lucky yep. to have Jason Lockheed, who was the previous head coach of the top USA national men's team and also one of our best um, New Zealand beach volleyball athletes um, a few years ago. Uh, he's mm. come back to New Zealand with his wife from the state and he's going to be taking um, control of the high performance program in New Zealand. And so this is like for the first time we're going to actually have a dedicated coach, a dedicated training schedule uh, all summer. It's going to be awesome. I'm so excited. I, I've spent 10 years playing beach volleyball when you're doing 10 plus years. Um, and it's very like self-driven. Uh, we just have some people that have like always volunteered to help us uh, with coaching or we've just gotten some of our friends to help us out. Um, but for the first time, we're actually going to have a dedicated coach going into the summer and like a really solid plan and build up for the Com Games. So Super, super excited. Um, I'll be driving over to the Mount, you know, three, four, maybe five times a week to train. Um, mm. I'm not sure if I can live. In the past, I've lived over in the Mount sometimes in the summer or kind of split between house hopping and driving over. Um, really looking forward to that and just having some structure and training. Shauna, this has had a bit of everything. I reckon we're going to have to keep up and follow your story moving forward. This is inc- <laughs> incredible stuff. Let us know next time you're in Rwanda. Other than that, we'll, we'll touch base with you closer to the Com Games and see how you're going. Thanks so much for your time this morning. Thanks, Shauna. No problem. Love Thanks it. so much, guys. <laughs> no yeah. no worries. No matter how much discussion about promotion, relegation, and whatever else, the fact doesn't change. The Bunnings NPC is in full flight. And this weekend, my beloved magpies fly south to take on the red and black machine, Canterbury, Mitchell Drummond, is a great man, and he's the current owner of the Bush Inn uh, pub here in Christchurch. You haven't been. Good feeds, apparently. He might even buy you a wee pint. Might show you. Oh, but knowing Drummy, pretty tight. Pretty tight as they come. Probably won't. Morning, Drummy. Morning, Diggy, mate. How are you, Diggy? I'm good, mate. I'm going really good. We had a great show so far. We had Jimmy Gopeth on, mate. He is an absolute champion. He's still playing at 38 years of age. You see yourself running around at thirty eight? Mate, if I'm if I'm running around at thirty eight I've done something right. I've uh, he, did, he must have done a hell of a job looking after his carcass because um to be still going around at thirty eight is pretty impressive. You remember Jimmy Goffith running around in NZ, mate? I do remember Jimmy Goffith. I think he used to wear the gloves, didn't he, back in the day? <laughs> he was a trendsetter, mate. He was a trendsetter wearing the gloves. You're right. You are right. And now he, no one wears gloves, mate. You ever thought you ever worn the gloves? Oh, back when I was a young fellow, I think I might have dabbled in the gloves. But I see they've bought the 
brought the they've brought the leggings in. You're allowed to wear leggings now. Who do you think is going to be the first one to rock a rock a pair of tights in the game? Oh no! Uh, if I'm gonna if I'm going down the tights, I'm going down the tights. If I'm looking, maybe hmm. oh, I'm just trying to think. Crotty. Yeah, someone like Crotty had run the three quarters. <laughs> I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think? You thinking? I'm thinking Crotty. He thinks he's a trendsetter, Ryan Crotty. Yeah, yeah, I reckon Crotty with the three quarters and the socks down. <laughs> oh, champion, mate, champion. Anyway, how are you getting on, mate? How are you getting on? How's Canterbury uh, tracking after after a pretty tough old battle in Wellington, mate? How, what's the preparations been like this week? Yeah, mate, it's been good. It's, um, I guess it's like every week you kind of go back to the drawing board and. And get on with it. it was a sort of a tough pill to swallow in Wellington, um, but mate, that's footy. You just got to get on with it. And um, like you've, you've mentioned, it's a, another hell of a battle coming this week. Yeah, if you, if you've obviously focused on the Hawks Bay side. They took on Tasman, and, and that was a good, great match. See, I was lucky enough to commentate that game. This Saturday, you play in Hawks Bay, and yeah, what's been the messages this week when you when you're facing a side that's young and they're pretty confident. Yeah, exactly that. You've got to respect them for, for who they are and what they've done this year. I think they're top of the ladder and, and fully deserve to be there. So um, I guess at this time of year, there's a lot of uh, mindset stuff being spoken about. We've been playing footy for a long time now. Um, so it's more about just getting the body and the mind right to go again on Saturday. And how, how have you been throughout this uh, competition? It's been pretty... Topsy turvy, a lot of stop start. Um, you know, like a lot hard to get. You know, a little bit of consistency and a bit of momentum when you a little bit of uncertainty. But now you've got a certainty with how the season looks coming out. But how have you been going through it, and, and what have been the messages uh, throughout the season? Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. It's uh, it has been pretty tough. Um, personally, I found it quite challenging just to to stay motivated. Um, when there's so much uncertainty, um, even now you look around the country and there's, uh, I feel for the teams that are pretty much, you know, they're off of a coin, picking their lives up and moving out of out of home and, and they're on the road. They don't know what's happening when they're going home. So um, in terms of that kind of stuff, it, it is, well, personally, I found it really challenging to just to stay motivated and, um, and look after mm. what's next. But... Um, that's what I'm trying to focus on is just whatever's put in front of us is the next challenge and um, as much as I can just put that, that other stuff aside and I guess when the whistle goes on Saturday it's easy to forget about that stuff but it's through the week um, and there's so much conversation and rumours and all sorts of stuff going on with what's going to happen but I guess that's the way of the world at the moment and, and we're like everyone else we've just got to do our best just to get on with it. Mate, when I play with you, you 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 you're a young you know you're a young player. Um, you you've just joined the scene, and now you've been around for a few years now, and you're you're you've turned into a leader. You've you've taken a bit more leadership role, especially with a young squad. You've got a young first five in Fergus Burke. Are you enjoying uh, um, the bit more of a leadership role within the Canterbury side? Yeah, I I think I am. It's um it's definitely different. Um from back in those days, Daggy, when you were floating around here. Um, but, yeah, it's a new challenge, and I've been lucky enough to to learn from some, some pretty impressive leaders, um, as you fully understand, um, through the Crusaders environment, some pretty impressive folks um, going around. So just being able to sit back and operate and see how, how they go about their work and 
um, bad questions off guys has been really good. But um, at the end of the day, I've always been told that the best way to lead is to play well. Um, so to be honest, mate, it's kind of just been my focus is just to front up on the field. Now, what about your connection with Fergus Burke? Um, he's a young guy. He's getting a lot of game time at the moment with Fergus Burke. How are you enjoying that, that combination, mate? Yeah, mate, to be honest, I'm loving it. It's, um, we kind of sat down at the start of the year and, and you know, looked each other in the eye and said, right, how are we going to go about this? And um, it's been really good. We, we're really honest with each other and, and he's really um, willing to learn. Um, he's a tough kid and mm. uh, I think he's been playing really well. It's, it's like anything, the longer, the more time you spend in the in the hot seat, the, the better you get. And um, I think he's just getting better and better uh, every week. What about Waisaki? Waisaki no holo, mate. I never, ever thought I would pick Waisaki wearing red and black. How's he been in the environment, mate? And has he come back with and bringing a lot of excitement? Is he adding to the to the team as well? Yeah, mate, that's exactly what he said as well um, when he played his first game. <laughs> he, he said exactly that. He thought that this was the last place he'd end up. But, um, mate, he's been awesome to have around. He's, uh, he's a, I think he's a really good leader in his own right, to be honest. He the way he connects with the boys and um, not so much through his voice, but just, just the way he goes about himself, the way he holds himself. Um, and when you've got someone uh, with a pedigree like he does in the group, it's uh, natural that he lifts up everyone. And, um, yeah, he's been, he's been bloody good to have around, to be honest. I, I wish I could get one of those contracts he's on where he sort of trains one day a week and then just plays, but maybe later on in my you're not there. You don't want to be there, mate. There's nothing worse when you're rehabbing with Rochi or, or Tux and you're just watching <laughs> training and then you go out and you try to play rugby off about an hour's training, mate. It's not very healthy, <laughs> Drummy. You don't want to be there. Keep being young, mate. Keep being young. You're only 27. Yeah, I'm, I'm holding on, mate. I'm going. I'm feeling good, so it's amazing. Hey, I've got to ask you, we, we spoke to Jimmy Gopith and uh, he's been in the game for a very long time. Uh, he spoke about... Uh, off the field, you know, rugby is a big part of his life, but transitioning to post footy is very important. And I know you're very passionate about it, and you've just bought yourself a bar, the Bush Inn here in Christchurch, mate. How's that going? Yeah, mate, it's actually going really good. Um, and like, like you said, I think I've really enjoyed the experience of going through something completely different away from footy. And um, to be honest, I think it's helped my rugby as well. It's, it's given me something to. to uh, to go and spend a bit of time on during my during my time off, and um, yeah, I really enjoy being able to go in and show face. And um, I've managed to pour a couple of pints here and there, so I'm slowly getting my head around that. And um, yeah, I, I, like you say, Daggy, you've been through it yourself. And from what I'm hearing, it's a it's an interesting time in, in your life where you sort of transition out of rugby. But um, hopefully, I've got a few more years left in me yet. But uh, to start putting some things in place like that, that you know, to get to see go down that route um, later in life. Is, it's been really exciting. Mate, it's awesome to see. It's awesome to see that you are very passionate about post-footy. And, and Are you able to share your experiences with the young squad? I'm looking at the squad now. You've got a young squad. Are you sharing those insights? And is that, are you very passionate about telling these young kids that rugby could be over with one little hit, one little breakdown, you know? Are you sharing those? Yeah, mate, the best thing about them, I, I can take them to the bush and talk about it. They buy me a beer and um, <laughs> we can sit down and talk about those sort of things. But, yeah, 100%, mate, it's, um, I guess, 
when I was their, their age, it's, it's the last thing you're thinking about. But uh, reality of the game we play is that um, it's a cutthroat business, and through injury or misselection or anything like that, it can be over before you know it. So um, it's definitely something over the last couple of years that I've looked at a lot harder, and um, as it's become closer and closer to reality, well, hopefully we play away yet, but um, yeah, I guess it's one of those things. As you get older, you start to think um, further down the track in your life, and um, maybe it's not the be-all and end-all. Mm. Hey, mate, we love supporting small businesses, and, and hospitality area has been doing it really tough at the moment. So here you go. 30 seconds, what do you got going on at the Bush Inn? Bush Inn. Why should they go there and have a punt? 30 seconds, go, Bush mate. Free heaven, air time, mate. go. Bush Inn, heaven, top of record and road. We've turned the place around. We're going good. We've got a few little deals in there. Tuesday night, PlayStation night. So you come down and have a jam on the PlayStation. There's bar tabs on offer. Friday night, trading night. Where your hivers. Get in there, $7.50 points. And we're 4.30 to 7 o'clock every night, happy hour. And I'll tell you what, if you've mentioned that you heard me on... Daggy's show, you can have a $5 pint <laughs> at the Bush and Seven, top of the and Rose. Oh, there you go. There you go, Mitchell Drummond, $5 pints for the Bears and Izzy for breakfast. Go in there, say you heard him on the Bears and Izzy for breakfast, and you get a $5 pint. How good, Drummy. Thank you, brother. <laughs> Champion, Daggy. I've got one question for you, mate. I see you've been following a little bit of horse racing uh, the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So who are you picking in the Everest this weekend? Ah, uh, we're gonna get to that. Uh, you know what? I, I'm actually. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Mass Crusader, mate. Yeah, I like that. I'm gonna go I the like Mass Crusader. I like the Crusader. And I picked it last time. It jumped really slow. It jumped slow out of the block. So I think it's gonna go right. It's paying nine bucks and three dollars for a place. Yeah. So Mass Crusader for me, mate. Some some ride a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? It was, mate. I was disgusted, and then it just busted its way through, did a zigzag, and won the race. I was pumped because I had a wee bit on it. (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff, Diggy. Plenty of racing going on, so I'll forgive you if you might have missed this story earlier in the week. But ATR, it's not necessarily an acronym you'll be familiar with right now, but you will be very shortly. Auckland Thoroughbred Racing is the country's new mega club, the amalgamation of counties and Auckland racing clubs, and it's going to shake up our industry and ultimately preserve it, I promise you that. So this week there's been a huge step made with the first set of stakes increases committed by the club, so prize money has been boosted. Auckland Racing Club... Club CEO Paul Wilcox is a very good man and he is with us now. Morning to you, Paul. G'day, Louie. How are you? I am really well, mate. And I was, well, both Izzy and me, we were stoked to see this news this week. So an extra $2 million in stakes. Where are they going? Explain this to us. Yeah, look, we've uh, made uh, it pretty pretty clear when we're going through the merger process that our priority was to increase stakes at both Hallersley and Pukekohe. And so we came out... Uh, earlier this week and, and announced that we're, we're going to be putting in uh, $2 million to stakes to, to boost uh, the monies to the most important people, which are the owners, trainers and jockeys. Hey, what, hey mate, it's Izzy here. Why is this decision hugely important for the, for the state of racing in New Zealand and, and especially in Auckland area? G'day, Izzy. Um, look, it, it's important uh, not just for, for the Auckland region, but the industry as a whole. We we make no bones about it. The, the stakes monies have been lagging in New Zealand for quite some time, and you only need to look across 
the ditch to Australia and see what they're doing over there and, and how important stakes have been to increase the most important thing, which is the breeding of horses, which without those horses being bred, we have uh, no sport to race. So uh, we'll obviously benefit uh, a lot of a lot of Auckland horses, but uh, the, the main objective is to benefit uh, any horse that comes to Ellerslie or Pukekohe Park and, and wins a race and, and gets a share of the prize. Paul, this is a step, a really positive step in the right direction. Ultimately, is the ambition and the goal for what you are doing here with um, counties and the amalgamation and the merger that horses like Probabil and the Chosen One and, and really good horses, they will go to go to Australia for the prestige, but they could also race here for the same sort of money? Yeah, look, that's the long-term goal, Louis. Um, we've made no bones, or, or particularly myself, I make no bones about the fact that uh, a lot of owners go to their trainers at the minute. Is my horse good enough to go to Australia? Uh, and part of that reason is to race over there for, for that uh, elevated stakes money, which is just out of control at the minute, and, and particularly coming this weekend. But I want that to change, the rhetoric to change. I want the owners going to the trainers, going, is my horse good enough to get to Ellerslie? Look, we're never, and, and let's let's be sensible here, we're never going to get to those levels that they race for in Melbourne and, uh, or Victoria, sorry, pardon me, in New South Wales. But what we're wanting to do is elevate those stakes so those those good horses will stay in New Zealand and potentially owners don't have to make that decision of selling a horse uh, further afield either to Australia or up into Asia. So this, this money can't come from fresh air, mate. So how, how are you funding this? How are you getting the money to this $2 million stakes? <laughs> look, you're on to it, isn't you? Um, <laughs> look, at the, end of the, at, at the end of the day, this has been a, a, a long, long-term long plan. So we, we obviously realise here at Ellerslie and, and also at Pukekohe, we've got uh, land holdings here that are surplus to racing requirements. So we've leased some of those uh, blocks of land and that gave us, a, a significant sum of money that, that we invested and that investment now is, has grown to the point where we can start taking a percentage of it so we always leave a percentage in it to, to uh, protect it in, against inflation and, and make sure it's growing properly so that we can start elevating these stakes with for example the $2 million that we're putting in this season and then going forward as that investment fund grows and as we, we realise some other land assets we will start really jump-shifting those stakes increases to be uh, far in excess of the $2 million that we've committed to this season. You're like Father Christmas with money bags, Paul. We love it. Hey, ho, um... ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, how worried are you or sweaty are you starting to get about jockeys getting into Auckland? What's the comms like from NZTR on this? Because your busy time of year isn't far away, and as we know, Delta has ravaged this part of the world. Yeah, look... Uh, You've obviously spoken to uh, last Saturday. You had Bernard Saundry on, and and we've been working uh, very closely with Bruce Sharrick, who who's uh, the COO of NZTR, and we're we're into Grant Robertson, so um, we can't go much higher than him. And uh, it would be fair to say we are we are starting to get nervous. We make a decision next week, next Tuesday, based on whether we will hold uh, the Melbourne Cup. Uh, race meeting here on the second of November, so it's starting to starting to get to that squeaky time, Louis and Izzy, because uh, as you well know, Lewis, the uh, 
the big races are, are just on the horizon here at uh, Ellerslie and, and obviously 20th of November is County's Cup Day at Pukekohe. So, um, yeah, starting to get a little bit nervous. But we are doing jump outs today at 10am this morning. So um, at least I'll be able to see some horses here for, for what's been a very, very long time without having them here. Hey, I saw a video of Louis on Instagram when he was a young fellow rocking a mullet. Rocking a mullet. Is he well behaved at these meetings, mate? Always. What normally, normally you see is he. What happens is Louis <laughs> usually working, so very well behaved whilst he's working. Oh. Now I can't confirm that <laughs> behaviour stays that way once the band starts playing, as they say. You know, it's it's like you playing playing the All Blacks. You you're focused. You're you're, you're just concentrating <laughs> on what you have to do. And then when that whistle goes and you're sitting in the sheds, you've got the bladders low, you've got 24 cans of beer in there, <laughs> and you're like, you're the man to say, I can drink all these 24 in one swoop. Well, Paul, <laughs> actually, Paul, it's funny you say that because this is the 10-year anniversary. Tomorrow, this Saturday, is the 10-year anniversary from the, the 2011 uh, Rugby World Cup semi-final where it was, Izzy's redem- well, re- it was Izzy's redemption tour out there on the field <laughs> after he was a very naughty boy. He was, uh, yeah, he was naughty with Corey Jane, I think I remember. If I remember <laughs> right, over, over, over in... Kapuna somewhere. You've got it, P. <laughs> All right, Paul Wilcox. We're hey, gonna, that's enough. We, we that's gotta enough. Le- we've got to let you go. Your phone's breaking up there, Paul. We'll catch up with you another time. All the best. Thanks, Thanks Paul. Paul. We'll see you later.